This podcast is brought to you in association with Cloud Banking. Trust is something that takes time to build. It's based on building a reputation and proving over time that the customers can trust the service providers with handling their money because that's essentially what the financial industry is all about. So it is an sort of inherent challenge for a new company that comes to the market because they haven't had time to build that trust. They don't have a reputation yet. Welcome to the GFF 23 show. This podcast brings you a taste of the global fintech fest organized by the Fintech Convergence Council. Payments Council of India and National Payments Corporations of India happening in Mumbai from the 5th through the 7th of September 2023. Over the past three years, GFF has grown to become the largest fintech summit globally, demonstrating the pivotal role of fintech and driving sustainable global advancement by showcasing a 360-degree view of its transformative potential. Today, we have Alexi Grimm, Head of Fintech and Principal Advisor at Bank of Finland having a virtual sit-down with Amit Jain, partner of Regulatory Fintech at PWN Co. LLP. Amit and Alexi discussed the various new models which have disrupted the financial services space both in India and Finland, leaving a far-reaching impact on the global financial ecosystem. PricewaterhouseCoopers is the knowledge partner for this episode. Thank you, Mr. Krim, for taking your time and sharing your perspective on evolving regulatory landscape in the fintech sector. Just to set the context for this session, as we have seen over the last decade or so, and more specifically over the last three, four years, we have seen significant disruption in the financial service sector by innovations challenging the existing practices and processes being followed by regulated entities. Of course, these are supported by digital infra such as smartphone penetrations, penetrations, and adoption by digital native consumers. These innovations cut across sectors like digital payments, embedded finance, with insurtech, tech, supervisory tech. And these business models have been transforming the way consumers and businesses are now accessing financial services products. The fintech peers have been reinventing or reimagining the delivery channels of their products and services and bringing down the cost of services and improving the overall, con overall experience of the, of the consumers and the businesses. And some of these disruptions and trends will shape the future of this global financial system. Now, while the fintechs have been able to leave a good mark and have a far-reaching impact on the financial ecosystem globally, the regulatory approaches in certain cases, governing them are still to catch up with these fast-paced technology advancements. Now, with this context in mind, Mr. Grimm, I would request you to share your perspective with the, th with, with the themes that I want to cover around regulatory approaches for, towards inclusion, resilience, or collaboration. And it would be good to get your opening remarks how do you see these innovations supporting the financial and digital inclusion and the contribution by these fintechs? Yes. So first of all, it's a pleasure to be participating in this podcast and also looking forward to my 
trip to India, take part in the FinTech conference. So, as you mentioned, the last few years have really seen the emergence of FinTech coming into the financial sector. In a way, the financial industry has always been quite innovative, I would say. If you go back um, a few decades, maybe even a few centuries, I mean, I think there's always been a lot of innovation going on in banking and investing and and so on, the different investment products. Um, it wasn't too long ago, 20, 30 years ago, when there was a lot of discussion about financial engineering, when new, new types of um, investment products were invented. Um, of course, banks have always been on the forefront also of adopting IT and computer technology. They were some of the first companies around the world in the 1960s and 70s using large computers. And also in the 1990s, there was a lot of innovation in terms of payment products, card products, credit cards, chip and pin cards, and so on and so forth. So I would say innovation in the financial industry is nothing new. It's, it's something that's always been there. I think the difference and the, the novelty of the last few years, as you rightly mentioned, is a very strong focus on consumers and consumer expectations. And this, all, of course, has to do with the technology disruption that is taking place, not just in the financial industry, but in other industries as well, where consumers have started to use mobile devices. They are very active in new environments like social media spaces and so on. So the financial industry has once again had to encounter a change in the landscape and a change in their operating environment, and again, start to innovate and rethink some of their products. And what is also different this time around is that there are many more smaller companies participating in this innovative work. So it's not just large uh, incumbent banks that um, introduce new products, but rather there are small market entrants, small emerging corporations and small fintech companies that are actually doing a lot of the product development. And that, of course, begs the question of how, how will the ecosystem operate when you have uh, a lot of these smaller, very agile, nimble companies and some of the larger incumbent companies working together. And yeah, and as a final remark, uh, the regulatory aspect to all of that, how do we oversee, how do we legislate and regulate that kind of environment? Um, that, is, that is something that's different this time. Um, so it's not just enough to look at how we regulate banks, but we also have to look at some of the, the whole ecosystem around the banks um, that are participating in providing services and developing services. And that, that's definitely been challenging, something that um, we at the Bank of Finland have been looking at um, the last few years. Sure. Thanks so much, Mr. Supreme. Quite a good opening remark where you have explained the entire landscape of how the entire your ecosystem have changed over the years. And with the current environment, with the innovations comes with a lot of complexity around how these products and the startups like from small to big are delivering those services. So that brings me to the question around as a regulator, well, there's always just debate or rather the anomaly around 
how do you balance the innovation versus regulation? And commonly sort of understood that by doing an innovation, one can't escape uh, the compliances, what he expected out of the regulations. And you need to balance the two. While the regulators would prefer or would continue to want innovations to happen to bring more and more people into the financial inclusion, but not at the cost of uh, customer protection related issues. Uh, so those goes without saving and that is, it is always a, a good principle to understand from you that at what stage the regulators should intervene in the process. Should they come right at the start to kind of create a more secured environment or should they allow some innovations to happen and believe that an appropriate time where there is a financial stability risk being perceived maybe an appropriate stage to then in and come up with the regulatory approaches. So there are a lot of these moving parts and what would be good to understand how do you see uh, and coming and bringing up with any uh, regulatory interventions or why these innovations keep happening in the market. Yeah, you're right. That's a really tricky challenge, um, finding that balance between innovation and let's say, safety, providing consumer protection at the same time as providing new new services and new products. Um, and again, I would look back into history and notice that, as I mentioned, the financial industry has always been quite innovative. And unfortunately, what we also know from history is that um, usually there is misconduct and fraud involved at the same time while new innovations are being developed. Um, so unfortunately, they do go hand in hand. Um, we've seen it many times that new products are being offered to consumers and customers. New ideas are being brought to the market, but some of them, unfortunately, are fraudulent or are you know, poorly designed in a way that they introduce new risks and they're simply not good services proper to be offered to, to consumers. So we've learned from history that the financial industry has to be regulated. It, it doesn't work otherwise. Based on the idea that customers can trust the companies offering these services and they put a lot of trust in the service providers because they handle their money, they take care of their investments and so on. So this kind of industry needs to be regulated. So I think this time around, it's no different really. Again, we have to strike a balance, but I think in my experience, the best approach is to have the regulators involved from the very early stages in a new product or let's say a startup, because then there's dialogue and then you can offer advice, guidance to these new companies. Many times we've noticed that some of the advice and guidance is not just around their product, but it's about the how the financial industry works as a whole. And we can kind of explain how the ecosystem works and things that maybe are not directly related to their product, but they need to be aware of if they want to enter the market. So this kind of dialogue is, is really important. And then you can help them build their products step by step so that regulators are involved along the way. So I think that's really maybe the best way to make sure that these new innovative products and services have the safeguards that are required to achieve a high level of consumer and investor protection.
Sure. Thanks. Quite an increasing sort of a response, Mr. Green. Uh, and it is always good to have a consultative approach right at the start to kind of get both sides being heard. And that's how like a more effective regulatory approach and the framework could be designed for products which are yet to be tested in the market. So yeah, I would also sort of say that anytime a consultative approach is always encouraged and recommended. So thanks for this feedback. But at the same time, I just want to go further on the same point because at times when the regulators start issuing any frameworks, so there are again an approaches toward should that be more prescriptive enough to start defining a lot of nuances in, in the regulations or should that be a principle-based approach because the way the products and the services are being designed, those come with a lot of different approaches touching different customer segments, customer uh, problems to be solved. And we could not have a one-size-fits-all approach uh, in terms of defining the framework. So that's where always this point around, should it be a principle-based, should it be a risk-based approach that should be followed? Uh, so your thoughts around when you as a regulator start defining any regulatory framework, how you generally approach and what things that you bear in mind, whether it is in terms of entry barriers, whether it is in terms, in terms of potential capital requirements, customer fund protections. Before we go on with the episode, a quick word from our sponsors. In the heart of the banking world, where every second counts and efficiency is paramount, a revelation, a cloud solution Indian banking can rely upon. Cloud banking. Process loans in less than 10 minutes with seamless integration, automation at its finest, and workflows that adapt to your needs. Step into the future. Elevate your bank's lending operations with cloud banking. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I think you touched on a good point in the sense that the regulatory approach cannot be too prescriptive because you would take the innovation out of the activity. You cannot tell the companies how to do their job. To me, a principle-based approach is really the, the right approach and the only one that allows um, new innovations and, and new ideas to come into the market. One aspect to that and that we've learned in the last few years is the concept of proportionality. So for a regulator, that is a really important principle as well. In the sense that for a long time, we had a regulatory landscape and we had legislation and, and regulations which were really designed with large companies in mind, large banks in mind. And we assumed that they have certain capabilities and certain resources to do certain things that are required of them. But now that we're more and more dealing with smaller companies, we really need a principle of proportionality in the sense that we need to apply the same regulatory principles, but on a smaller scale. That really is an example where you cannot be too prescriptive, but rather you need to make sure that the risks are identified and the companies, the startups understand what risks we are trying to address with the regulation. And then we'll try to find a way to address those risks so that they are not too burdensome on the company itself. And we as regulators try to keep in mind that there are companies of different sizes. They may not have all the resources they need. Um, so we can allow things like 
working in partners. They can work in partnership with other companies. They can outsource some of their activities. And especially working in partnership with some of the incumbent banks has proven to be quite fruitful, I think. So this kind of idea of proportionality, I think, is something that a lot of regulators have been developing in recent years and which has allowed for some of these smaller fintech companies to come to the market. Sure. Thanks. Uh, I will want to touch upon this partnership because that is something also which we have seen in many geographies as a successful test cases where fintechs uh, would like to partner with the regulated entities like banks or uh, other regulated institutions to try and see how they can deliver the products to the last mile consumers at the same time work with them uh, under the regulatory lens so that like, they are not crossing the the boundaries. So I'll come to that, but maybe before that, I first want to come on the other theme, which is more around customer centricity. As we all know, customer interests are generally kept at the center of every business. And when it comes to fintech and financial services in particular, their confidence and trust in the ecosystem have to be kept at the top of any other objective. Now, while this, a lot of these fintech peers have been working towards addressing their customer, have been working towards addressing pain points, but the regulators' expectations is that they need to buck up and they need to come forward and do many more things. So it would be good to get your thoughts on what are the gaps that you still perceive or you believe that these fintech players need to work to get the customer's confidence and the trust in the ecosystem as a whole. Yes, I think we have to keep in mind, and I think startups also should be aware that financial services are a trust business. It's all about the customers and the consumers um, being able to trust the service providers. And trust is something that is, you know, takes time to build. It's based on building a reputation. It's based on building a strong track record and proving over time that the customers can, you know, trust the service providers with handling their money, essentially, because that's essentially what the financial industry is all about. So it is an sort of inherent challenge for a new company that comes to the market because they haven't had time to build that trust. They don't have a reputation yet. So how is it possible for a consumer or a customer to, to trust a company that they've never heard of or that, that are completely new to the market? And that's really where I think, again, the kind of partnership approach is really important. So you can kind of borrow the brand equity of a better known, older institution. And to some extent also, the, the regulators can approve or to some extent endorse some of the services that are being offered to the market. But the, I think the core principle is that the fintech should focus on building trust and that takes time and it requires uh, a good reputation and a good track record. So you have to just kind of keep delivering uh, over and over again um, and show that you are worthy of that trust of the customers. Sure. Thank, thanks so much. What an insight first of all for feedback and the response on this point. Let me touch upon this partnership point you indicated about this. And uh, what we've generally seen across the globe, including in the India market, is there are two, two extreme situations with the bank who have been operating or offering their sanitary service product with the mindset of delivering services 
by ensuring compliances. On the other extreme side, we have fintechs who want to disrupt, who want to challenge all the existing practices, processes being followed by the banks. Now, that's where the partnership comes in terms of either complementing each other's strength or trying to figure out what are the synergies which they can work towards bringing a better delivery and bringing down the cost of service to the consumers. Now, at the same time, we see a lot of practices where the fintechs won't start getting into the shoes of the banks. At the same time, banks believe that they have given enough power to the fintechs to operate the product. And that's where the risk in the financial stability or the ecosystem starts getting triggered. How do you see these fintech and the bank partnerships should be looking at in terms of safeguarding both sides' interests at the same time, ensuring that all the, all the stakeholders' interests are also protected? Yeah, I think that reminds me of how fintech started here in, in Finland and, and in Europe, let's say six, six, seven years ago. Some of the banks were really scared to some extent that there were these new agile companies coming to the market, much smaller, much, much more nimble, and might potentially grow very large and take up some of the market share of the old banks. But I think over time, it proved that that maybe wasn't a realistic scenario and the, that we're fundamentally talking about different types of companies. So a fintech startup usually focuses on a very narrow product offering, a very narrow service offering. They focus on one specific product, for example, and they try to make that product as good as possible and to apply new technologies that maybe some of the banks haven't had access to or haven't been able to um, adopt in their own products. So very product-centric, very focused. But on the other hand, the, the fintech startups usually lack access to a customer base. They don't necessarily have a lot of customers or building that customer base is very expensive and takes a lot of time. What I think a lot of banks have then noticed is that there isn't really that much competition necessarily between the fintechs and the banks, but rather they operate in a different way. And that's, of course, opens the door to cooperation. So that, that brings the opportunity to actually cooperate. Some of the banks, the older banks might have already a, a very large customer base, for example. They might have very strong compliance and IT infrastructures, whereas the fintechs, on the other hand, have very good knowledge and capabilities to understand c c consumers, for example, meeting their expectations. They have skills that some of the banks maybe don't have, and they have maybe more innovative products. And those really complement each other quite well. So initially, for example, in Finland, we had some innovation centers or innovation hubs where uh, the, the kind of the setup was, or the expectation was that some of these fintechs will grow very large and start competing with the banks. But then over time, what actually happened is that a lot of the banks started to be very active in these innovation hubs and work together with these fintechs. And that I think has really proven to be the, the winning model in a way that that's a way for a smaller fintech startup to emerge and grow, to get their product to the market. And on the other hand, for the bank, it's a way to renew some of their services and to 
introduce new consumer-centric services to their customers. So maybe this whole cooperation approach is, is really the winning combination uh, in, in fintech. Sure. Thanks, Mr. Uh, well, conscious of time, I just want to touch the last theme, which is around collaboration. And wanted to gather your thoughts on uh, collaboration once, of course, how regulators across the different geographies should be collaborating since these fintech products cross borders and are not centric to a, a particular region or the geography. And that's when the collaboration between senior banks of different countries should be coming forward to try and see how they can share ideas, their experiences in, in, in implementing and bringing forth a lot of these regulatory frameworks and the supervisory approaches. So it would be good to get how you have been looking forward and collaborating with other central banks uh, toward this particular initiative. So yeah, I think collaboration between central banks and regulators around the world has been enormously helpful and important. And it's been a huge learning curve. It's like going back to school in a way that we all learn about these new approaches, new ideas, new products on the market, these new fintechs. We need to educate ourselves about these technologies and so on. And some regulators in some jurisdictions have been focusing on certain types of services, for example, while others have been focusing on others. So, for example, some may focus on payments, others on investment products, um, others in challenger banks and so on. And then by bringing the regulators together, we have been able to share our experiences and each one has been able to explain and share their own experience of the focus area that they have been focusing on. So it would have been impossible for any regulator to cover all of these areas alone. And it's been really great the last few years, as I mentioned, it's, it's almost like going back to university and um, just just the amount to learn, the, the amount of new things that, that you can learn from fintech is really inspiring. And yeah, I think that that's really what's been going on um, recently. Great. Thanks so much, Mr. Grimm. I think quite a insightful response coming to all of these topics. And I just want to share, I just want to say thanks again for your time and sharing your responses. It was great interacting with you and knowing about your perspective in this entire evolving regulatory landscape in the fintech ecosystem. So thanks again for your time. Thank you very much. It's been a, it's been a pleasure having this discussion. We want to take this opportunity to thank Amit Jain, partner of Regulatory Fintech at PWN Co LLP, and Alexi Grimm, head of Fintech and Principal Advisor at Bank of Finland, for taking time off their schedule to bring you this episode. The Global Fintech Fest, global collaboration for a responsible financial ecosystem. Inclusive, resilient, sustainable. Happening in Mumbai from the 5th through the 7th of September, 2023. The Global Fintech Fest 23 is brought to you by the National Payments Corporations of India, the Payments Council of India, and the Fintech Convergence Council. For more details about GFF 23, visit globalfintechfest.com. To listen to previous episodes of the GFF 23 show, visit ubersaga.com. We also want to thank the team at Ubersaga, the official podcast partner for GFF23. Post-production and sound design by Subhash, editing, scripting and voiceover by Abe.